Welcome back to another episode of the ACC Northeast Practice and Career Management Committee's podcast series, Around the In-House. I'm Alex Affariot, Managing Legal Counsel at the Boston Consulting Group, Secretary of the ACC Northeast Chapter Board, and Co-Chair of the Practice and Career Management Committee. And I'm Ruchi Sisodia Shah, Director and Senior Counsel at Boston Scientific, member of the ACC Northeast Chapter Board, and member of the Practice and Career Management Committee. Alex and I are excited to speak with more members of the in-house practice about their careers, their aspirations, their challenges, and personal passions. We hope to continue to provide our listeners with a great opportunity to hear directly from other members about the issues they're facing and share their best pieces of advice about building a successful in-house practice. So thanks for joining us for another trip around the in-house. For this first episode of the fall season, we're so excited to welcome Corey Lambs, who is Corporate Counsel at Autodesk. Before joining Autodesk in August 2022, Corey was General Counsel at Bowie Health, a health tech company that uses artificial intelligence to help people navigate their healthcare journeys. He earned his JD from Northeastern University School of Law and earned a master's degree in music industry leadership from Northeastern as well, and is licensed to practice in both Massachusetts and New York. He currently holds three IAPP certifications, CIP-US, CIP-E, and CIP-M, and he's also an active volunteer with Big Brothers Big Sisters of Eastern Massachusetts, serving on its constituent advisory board. Earlier in 2022, the Association of Corporate Counsel named Corey as one of its top 10 30-somethings, which recognizes in-house counsel worldwide for their dedicated service and valuable contributions to the in-house legal profession. And in his personal time, Corey enjoys traveling with his husband and their dog, Dino. There's so much to discuss with you, Corey, so we are so thrilled that you're joining us today. Welcome. Alex Alucci, thank you for having me. It's great to be here. We're so we're so thrilled to be doing this. Um, and I have the pleasure of kicking off with the first question. Um, just as Alex described, you've, you know, you've had a very impressive career. And so can you tell us a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to your new role at Autodesk? Thanks, Richie. Sure. It feels like in many ways, each step of my career so far has led me to my new role at Autodesk. And then I'm using skills that I developed from previous experiences and, and my education all in one place. And granted, I've only been at Autodesk for a little under a month at this point. Uh, but that being said, some of the projects that I've been able to, um, to wrestle with have engaged each of those facets of, of my career um, in really interesting ways. And I've been admittedly on a lot of a listening tour and a, a, an opportunity to soak up a lot of information. But even in doing that, I'm, I'm able to leverage some of those journalism skills that I built in college, too. I was a journalist before I decided to go to graduate law school. Um, I also interned at Autodesk uh, during law school. And so the company has changed a lot since the time that I was an intern. I've changed a lot during that time, too, and evolved in my own career. And so it's been a nice opportunity to. Um, merge those evolutions back together. Um, I'm so thrilled that they chose to obviously join the team. I'm excited for the opportunity. Um, the other thing that's really interesting and exciting about my role at Autodesk is that Autodesk sits in a lot of different sectors that are relatively new for me. So Autodesk operates in the um, software space, delivering tech um, to architecture, engineering, construction, multimedia and entertainment firms and, and customers. And so being able to engage in those spaces um, certainly brings new challenges and new ways of thinking from a business and a legal perspective, which is part of my role. One fact that I actually didn't know 
before joining Autodesk this second time around is that every movie nominated for best or for an Oscar for best visual effects in recent years used Autodesk. Yeah. Um, so Star Wars, the that Rise is wild. Oscar, yeah, <laughs> Toy Story 4. I did a little bit of homework before I, I came up. So it, it's cool to see software used in that way and having at least an indirect contribution to some things that I engage with in my personal life. That is very, that is very cool. <laughs> well, you never know, you know, when you're going to come home. You, know, you started off as an intern at, at Autodesk and now after. Um, you know, becoming an attorney and having so many accomplishments, you're now come come back. And so that I'm sure they're super happy to have you back um, as well. You know, one comment you had made about your uh, career journey when we were prepping uh, and that stuck with us was about how important it was for you to really own your own career path. Can you tell us more about what that means to you and how it's helped you along the way? Sure. So I think there are a few things that I meant by that. And having mostly worked in the startup space prior to Autodesk and at other points in my career, I think it's really driven by that experience. And so that comment really is, is nested within two things. First, creating and seizing your own opportunities. Don't wait for opportunities to come knocking or for a door to be opened for you. You have to open your own doors with a mix of preparation, experience, open-mindedness and some luck too. Um, and of course, you know, it's possible hold the door open for other people who follow behind you. Um, I'll stop with that note, I guess. <laughs> and then the second thing is to take pride in where you've been because all those experiences, and I'm a great example of this, all those experiences and skills and learning that you've developed in your career history, be it law or non-legal, those can help inform your role and your practice. Um, so for anyone who um, whose role has been eliminated recently and changes with the economy or has changed roles, you know, with the pandemic, um, or is new to the practice of law, don't see those as weaknesses, see those as strengths. Um, for example, I bring a lot of my, again, my journalism background into my practice of law I also bring some of the learnings from my master program. We, we touched on that in the intro, music business. Um, and those aren't necessarily things that are substantively related to what I do, but the learnings and the experiences certainly helps. In that and so I think, you know, in owning your own career path, remember that it's a journey, not necessarily a destination. That's such good advice, Corey. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you, you're... You're spot on with with that, and we we also heard you talk a little bit about. I think you sort of mentioned this, just in the importance of owning the work that you're doing, sort of the work stream that you're in, and, and building value in whatever way you can um, in that role. So, how is your experience in the startup space, and now in a large corporation, and maybe even some some of your experiences from 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 earlier helped you own your your work stream? Yeah. It's a really interesting question because I, I like to think of your work stream, your remit, your scope of responsibilities, whatever you want to call it, you know, as the call for you to be the expert in that thing. And so even if you're general counsel or your associate counsel or whatever your title is, you're, you're in private practice, you're in the public sector, whatever it may be, own and know the inside and outs of every aspect of what you're supporting. 
And I think that can be really powerful. That can also lead to better servicing your client. And it can also open those doors that I was talking about before. So I really think building off of this notion of service, that the practice of law, legal ops, legal tech, all of this within the legal space is really service oriented. And so you want to constantly be adding value to your client, your team, your projects from day one um, and building that expertise within your remit, within your area of focus is one of the best ways to do that. You can identify areas that are right for front you know, that's one of the things I'm doing now is I do Autodesk, um, but then also understanding where to best contribute, where to create efficiencies, um, and, and how to have those even small wins, you know, from, from the jump. I think those are all really important ways to really owning that work stream. I think that's especially important as in-house attorneys. And not something you necessarily learn in law school, but incredibly important um, to the companies that we work for and to our own careers. So thank you for that advice. Switching gears a bit, we wanted to highlight a topic that we know is extremely important and one you've mentioned helped uh, shape your career and personal life. And, and that's bringing our authentic self to work. Um, you know, we hear this expression thrown out in a lot of corporate DEI initiatives. Um, I, you know, personally had our DEI counsel for our legal department. We talk about this a lot. But can you talk about your own experience? Can you share um, how, you know, showing up as your most authentic self has helped you and how you do that? Yeah, Richie, thanks for asking this question. I think you teed up a few different thoughts that I have on this, um, and I'll, I'll share some of those. So first, I think this notion of showing up as your most authentic self is really important, but it has almost become business jargon in the way that it's been adopted. <laughs> and so in some ways, I do feel like it's lost some of its meaning. meaning. It's just a phrase that we like to throw out. And so the first thing that I'll say is, you know, it's one thing to say, we encourage our, our team or employees to show up as their most authentic self. Um, and I show up as my most authentic self. It's one way to, it's one thing to say that, but what does that actually mean? You know, how are you putting that into practice? And I think that's where I really get passionate about this subject because companies, you know, employers, if they're just saying it, but not putting it into practice, not having initiatives, uh, Ruchi, like you had mentioned, to support creating a community or a safe space for bringing your most authentic self to work, then it doesn't matter. Then it's just an empty um, business jargon phrase. Um, so some of the ways that I like to think about creating space for showing up as your most authentic self are through, um, frankly, leading by example, through vulnerability, through showing flaws, and that's okay. That's what makes us human. Um, and by showing our own humanity and sharing in that, um, others can be encouraged to do the same. Um, and so as we build connections in this remote first world right now, um, at least at the time of airing, or at the time of taping, rather, um, and even in in-person work, how can we build those connections for our own humanity? And it's once we have those connections and that humanity shared that we can continue to bring our most authentic selves to work. It's not just going to happen overnight, right? Like I'm not just going to be able to walk into my employer tomorrow and say, this is who I am. This is what you can expect from me. You know, take it or leave it. There has to be a space 
community built out for that sense of belonging for me to even feel comfortable to bring that into the workplace. Um, so as I mentioned, I think one of those things that we can do as lawyers is to encourage you know, our business colleagues and even our, our legal colleagues to show up um, by leading, for example. So that's things like including your pronouns in your email signature and your Zoom profiles, right? Like little things like that. But it's also things like saying, you know, I'm a Colorado native. I live in Boston currently. I'm gay. I'm married. I have a dog. Things that tell you something about me that then encourage you to feel comfortable bringing yourself to the conversation or to, to the discussion. And I think that can be really powerful because you then understand different data points about what makes me tick in one way or another. I've also mentioned in this conversation, I'm a former journalist. Um, you know, I have some degree of music business background. Like these are all things that I think create this prism of who I am that you can better understand and resonate with. And, and hopefully by me sharing that and that's what I think it means to show up as your most authentic self, to encourage people to feel comfortable to do that, but then also make space for those people to feel like they belong. Couldn't agree more. And I, I absolutely loved your framing of it, Corey, just thinking of you know why it's important for this not to just be a corporate buzzword and actually be something that's put into practice, I think is is a really important point and um and one i wish more people sort of put as eloquently as you did i think just sort of jumping from that so many lawyers i think in general i think it's particularly strong in the legal profession sort of feel this pressure to conform sort of to the sort of prototype of what a lawyer is or is not and um and and you know in in terms of their career path and even just in terms of how they present themselves at work so what advice would you give to sort of newer lawyers entering practice to embrace authenticity in the way that you described? This is such a great question, Alex, and it's one that I have experienced many times over. Um, so first, I would encourage the new lawyers to remember that they are not feeling this way. Um, I remember the feeling well, and I got to say, you know, it's a great reminder to everyone that you're not born knowing how to practice law. Right. You're not born knowing how to be effective in the workplace, even, you know, like these are all things that you learn through experience and through education. And so when you look at it from that lens and you remember that it's all part of the journey, give yourself some grace. It's okay to feel like you don't know or to feel like you um, may need to fake it till you make it kind of thing. Right. Um, but don't forget to be true to yourself. Don't forget to have that sense of authenticity of your authentic self. And, and so more to my own experience, I remember that feeling in law school. I remember as a first generation lawyer, I didn't have any um, family members go through law school. I didn't know a lot of lawyers growing up. And even then it was really like parents, colleagues that I never really interacted with, only maybe heard mention of. Um, I didn't. I didn't know what the archetypical lawyer looked like, sound like, what they did. And so when I decided to go to law school, I, I really was like a sponge in terms of what the proper path was. And if I could go back in time and tell myself one thing, it would be 
to to be mindful of where you come from and where you want to go and don't tell don't let other people tell you what you should do to be authentic or to conform or not conform you know take your advice with a grain of salt listen to it but then process it in a way that makes sense for you i remember in law school preparing for exams and feeling like i needed to study in a very specific way i needed to do exam prep in a very specific way because that's what everyone else was doing and that's what my professors were telling me to do and i tried that and it didn't work because it it required me to abandon my previous study habits from college and and from all of those points in my education only when i remembered what we were trying and then applied that to my legal studies did i see success and I think that same feeling of um, recalibrating has driven my success going forward. I, I didn't come from um, having a lot of private practice experience. I, I interned for a long time. I really appreciated the opportunity, but I recognized through that experience that private practice wasn't necessarily for me. And I've been very fortunate and but even that was a path that was different than the norm. And so it took me some time to overcome that idea that what I was doing, albeit different, was still okay. And so even in my new role, you know, adjusting to a much larger, larger organization than I used to, having come from startups and now going to a publicly traded global company, I have to remind myself, like the, the value that I bring to Autodesk isn't diminished because it's different than everybody else and mm -hmm. what everybody else can, can bring. In fact, it's actually augmented because it's different. And so I would encourage, again, going back to your question, I would encourage new lawyers to embrace their difference and their authenticity because that is a strength, not a weakness. Completely agree. And that's so important. Um, and I, what I also tell my junior attorneys is that people will trust you more, especially your clients, if you do bring your authentic self. Um, and that's why it's so important for the company to have that environment where people feel that way, because then you you can bring that special skill set, you can do your best work, and then establish those important relationships with the, the business clients that you serve. So thank you for that. I think that's very important. Absolutely. And, and Rishi, the other thing that I'll add to just in response to what you're saying is that and I, I alluded to this too, but it's important to remember that we're humans first right. and then lawyers. And if we can build that human connection with our clients, with our colleagues, what have you, I really believe that will serve us much more than just being that um, prototypical lawyer that is, you know, pumping out legal work products, but nothing else. Um, you know, right. and, and this, this is silly, but I think it does apply here. You know, RuPaul as famous as he is, loves to say, you know, you're born naked and the rest is rabbit, right? And so if you take that concept and apply it to this notion of humanity, I'm not just a lawyer, you know, I'm a human being, I'm all these different facets to who I am, and so do my clients or my colleagues, my business colleagues, right? And if I can remember that and I can embrace that, then the collaboration that we will have and the legal support that I can provide will be all the stronger for it. 
I'm going to use that. That's so important. And it's so true, but I think people forget it <laughs> in their careers. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, sort of taking the, the flip side of this is, you know, we, we encourage candidates to bring their authentic self-source, young lawyers. Um, but, you know, Ruchi and I have spoken with other guests about the need to place some of this pressure, um, you know, even circling back to our conversation about creating these safe spaces, put the pressure on hiring managers, on recruiters, on companies themselves um, to avoid just like looking for this sort of cookie cutter candidate, this sort of prototype of, of what a lawyer should be so that they can better reflect the need for differences as, as strengths. So um, I, I, you know, especially now, Corey, that you, you came from a role where you were general counsel and now, you know, at Autodesk, a much larger company, is there something we can tell our listeners to be doing differently when looking for talent and, and looking to grow their team so that we can create these, these spaces for um, authenticity? Yeah, I, I think this is so huge and it's such an important topic in house. Um, elsewhere too, but I think in-house in serving our business colleagues because there's a lot of room for improvement, always, always, regardless of what your, your hiring practices are, there's always room to improve. I've been part of many conversations in this with others and my colleagues. The, the tactics that we hear about that organizations that I have worked for in the past that seemed out to me, and certainly at Autodesk as well, are ones that are more extreme in the hiring process. So to say, if your organization looks or thinks the same, first work on creating space for divergent thought and skill sets. Don't hire to fill that void. Um, of course, that is part of the process that you ultimately want to get to, and the end result being a more diverse um, first candidate pool, but then also team. But if there's no room for that diversity of thought, of skill sets, of background, of whatever diversity looks like for you and your organization, then they're going to be squeezed out. They're not going to last. You know, there's going to be churn. And so it's really about creating, again, that environment where diversity can thrive. Um, so I, I've seen and I've heard about time and time again, organizations fail in the creation or fostering of that space. And we see that the result is this feeling of tokenism from the diverse hire. That doesn't reflect well on your organization. That doesn't reflect well on, I'm sure, what your intentions were, but that's what the outcome is. And that's that's not going to serve anyone well in the long term. Um, the other thing, too, I think is that employers, and certainly in the hiring process, can think through what the core responsibilities are for that role that they're hiring for and target based on that, as opposed to, um, and, and think about where the candidates need to have those skill sets or responsibilities, and at what point in, in their career at that organization. So what I mean by that is, does a successful candidate need to have the skills that speak to those responsibilities on day one, mm -hmm. or can they grow into the role and be trained up? Right. Again, this goes back to this idea that we're not all born, you know, in the hospital waiting to go and saying, I'm ready to practice law. Like, I, it took me a long time to get to where I am now. And I'm still on a learning journey. I have right. a very open minded learning mindset. And, but, you know, you look at some of these job postings, and the expectation is, you know, eight plus years of post grad right. experience. Right. But then 
Like, well, Entry level, you know, 10 years experience. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have to be willing to train people up to do that. And the thing that I think is most powerful and where I see a lot of success in roles that I've hired for is recognizing that I can teach substance. I can teach substantive legal, you know, um, thinking and analysis. What I can't teach are the soft skills, or rather, it would take me longer to teach the soft skills. So when I'm looking to hire, you know, someone, I'm looking for skills like, are they a strong communicator? Do they um, take ownership of their work? Do they want to grow in their first? Do they have a learning mindset? How do they approach failure? All of those things are things that, in my view, you can't teach as readily. And so, I again, I can teach the legal substantive stuff. I can teach you the case law. I can teach you about the business and what it means to practice and support our business colleagues. But the art of lawyering is something that um, takes a little bit more time. And so that's the that's the kind of uh, skills that those soft, soft skills that I think we should be more focused on. And soft skills look different for different people. So rounding out this part of our conversation, you know, what I think of as soft skills and the way that I think of executing on those skills might be very different for the two of you. It doesn't mean that your approach is right or wrong. It doesn't mean that my approach is right or wrong. It's just different. And so how does that then contribute to you know, the patchwork of success for what our team could be. You know, that's, that's thinking that I think we should be doing more of in the in-house practice space. And we should be encouraging our business colleagues to be you know, thinking, you know, really have the gaps in our team as opposed to hiring for um, repeated strengths. Put it a different way, hiring outside of our echo chamber. By looking yeah. perhaps outside of our network, um, because our networks tend to skew like-minded. Looking outside of our network to people who can perhaps disrupt what we're already used to, and I think that disruption is powerful. But again, I'm showing my startup mindset because that's <laughs> no, it's true. You, companies need that, and I think especially in big companies. Um, you get very stuck on sta- standard, you know, air quotes requirements. And I've seen it, you know, even at Boston Scientific, where traditionally we'd ask for, you know, you had to work, at, go to certain law school, you had to work at a certain, you know, at a certain, at certain firms, then you could come. And then, you know, through all these initiatives, we started expanding and we, we got um, attorneys from all over with different career paths. And it's been, such a boon and and so incredibly important and as like just really strengthened the legal department and and to your point it is more important to get those folks with the soft skills because um some of those are not teachable or uh, to your point it will take a lot longer for the technical (laughs) skills and and they're just i think they're more important than actually the technical skills um Somebody can be the the best uh, draft the best contracts in the world and be the best litigator but they can't communicate properly with with um, their colleagues or their clients and, and get their thoughts across or they don't have the abilities to to do that um their work's not going to shine through and it's not going to help anybody so you know thank Absolutely. you i wholeheartedly agree you know there are other practices that i think can be put in place too that are helpful like blinded resumes or mm-hmm. um, blinding you know at least law school qualifications too um and there are ways to you know eliminate at least those um, you know, uh, 
implicit biases, right, through blinding. And I think that can be very helpful. On the other hand, it can also um, potentially have you know, the unintended consequence of leave diversity too, because we're not focused on then you know the, the people that are going to apply for them are the people who have the resources to do so. If you ask me, parents are the best project managers that you'll ever meet. I'm not <laughs> such huge appreciation for it. And, and you might miss out on, on all of those people who are just looking for you know, their next opportunity to really shine. Um, and so I think there's a lot of work that we can we can do as a legal community in, in this regard. But I also think there's a lot of interesting, exciting work that's already happening that just needs to be more widely embraced. Agreed. Thank you. Um, so switching topics a little, a little bit, um, we would be remiss not to touch on your incredible recent recognition from the ACC as one of its top 10 30 somethings. First of all, huge congratulations. Um, we, after speaking to you, I am I'm not surprised that you are a recipient. Um, 100%. Can you tell us a bit about what this award meant to you and has it opened any doors for you? What's experience been like? Thanks for the kind words. And, um, you know, thanks again for the opportunity to chat with you. I, it's funny that uh, you asked me about the award because I really see it as an honor and a capstone to be recognized for all of my work leading up to the point of the of receiving the award. And I was so grateful to be in such great company too. I mean, I think that is powerful in and of itself. Um, and I and as a side note, I want to congratulate again all of my fellow award winners. Um, but I think the award has meant a lot to me, but maybe not in ways that you might expect. So it was, first of all, it was a validation that the path that I've taken and that I've carved out for myself is resonating. Um, and the things that I'm passionate about, career development, legal tech, innovation, um, creating process, creating a path for other people um, who come behind me, that was valid. I didn't need the validation, of course, but it felt great to receive it. And also, I don't know if it opened any doors for me, per se, from an opportunity perspective. Um, well, that's not true. It did open one. I mean, that's how Alex and I got connected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't be here without that. Um, but you know, from a career perspective, I made a conscious decision to not uh, include any acknowledgement of the award with my Autodesk um, hiring process. And, mm -hmm. and not that I was ashamed or trying to hide the award, that's not it by any means. Um, but rather I was very interested in moving through the process on my own merits and my own skills and experience and what I could bring to the table as opposed to what the award said about or validated. Um, and so that was that was very interesting to to come out through the other side of the process successful, and then um, through some conversations here and there, I, I shared with my colleagues and the manager the uh, that I received the award. And of course, that's always a very fun conversation to have. But um, it was important for me to to go through the process, nevertheless, without the award being known. Um, and I think 
what the award did give me, regardless of opportunities or doors that it opened, is more confidence. Um, and confidence that I needed at that point in time. Because frankly, it's very funny, when I found out that I was receiving the award, which was a little bit before it was actually announced, um, I got really bad case of COVID. And so it was like the light at the end of the COVID recovery tunnel where I just needed the jolt of energy and a reminder that, yes, you are, you are on the right path. You're doing the right things, you know, recover, let your body heal and then get back to the grind because um, it's resonating. And so the last thing that I'll say about the award is that it really underscores the importance and power of representation and that. And, and of course, we all know this, representation matters and is so important. Um, the award to me meant a signal to other lawyers and um, and even law students who are interested in becoming lawyers that the path that I'm on is is okay. It's it's another path that you can pursue and that's okay. Um, I'm a first generation lawyer, you know, there were times when I didn't even know I wanted to become law. Um, and that experience was okay. And if we're going to say, if I did have that experience, we wouldn't have been to this point. And so again, it goes back to the But then also saying to, to the larger community that my journey is one that others may have too. And that's okay. That doesn't diminish anyone from being successful. In fact, that is what helps drive our success. Um, and, you know, going back to some of the things that we talked about with respect to advising new lawyers and conformity, I think part of representation for me with this award means knowing that it's okay to zig when others are telling you to zag, right? And trusting your instincts, even when those conflicted with what you're hearing, because you know yourself the best. You know what's right for you more than anybody else. And there was a thing that we, we had at Bowie um, my previous employer before Autodesk that um, that you all mentioned at the top is that you know you know your body best, right? In the healthcare world, you know your body best. Doctors have expertise, but you can tell them and communicate to them better than anyone else can. And I think the same is true for your career. You know what you want from your career more than anyone else. So don't let the noise cloud your path. And this award ultimately served as validation that thinking was okay and resonates and maybe will encourage someone else to have their needs to apply to their law school in the future. Yeah, I would say it's definitely more than okay. It seems pretty like a pretty <laughs> solid uh, yeah, advice for, for our listeners and, and really congratulations, Corey. I mean, it's yeah. like Aruchi said, you know, just hearing this this conversation, having followed you on, on LinkedIn for a while and, and you know, I, I, it's it's so deserved and it's really, really impressive. Really? And, and and um, and yes, like you said, it's 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 inspiring to others, and, and certainly I'll speak for myself, inspiring to me. So congratulations. Um, well, before we wrap up, um, if you've heard the podcast before, there are a couple of questions that we ask every guest, and I think some of these things you may have already touched on, but we're still gonna we're still gonna stick uh, stick both questions on you. So the first is, um, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first entered the in-house practice? So I think I touched on a few of these things before, but in the interest of giving our listeners more content and more of me, I'll give um, another response, which is that a rising tide floats all things. 
You know, when your client is successful, you're successful. When your business colleagues are successful, you're successful. When your team, your legal team is successful, you're successful. In the in-house space, we don't have to compete with one another, right? We can lift each other up. And when, you know, my teammate succeeds on a project, ultimately I can succeed too. There doesn't have to be a mutual exclusion there. Um, and I think that's really powerful because in law school, we're taught that competition is really important and competition <laughs> is one of the only measures of success. Um, and that's certainly not true in the in-house practice. And so by reframing that and flipping it on its head to say that when someone wins, we all win, I think that is really powerful. I love that answer. And it, I, it's so true. And I wish more, I wish more lawyers thought that way because it's such a, <laughs> it's such a great point. Um, and, and second, it, what is the best piece of career advice you've ever received? You've, you've shared so much yourself, but anything you've received in your career that you want to pass on to others? At Bowie, we had a really great, um, intense, but important um, review and feedback process. And that was so critical to my own growth, both as a professional On one of my feedbacks, I remember this so I received feedback, which was say less and do less. <laughs> and I think there's a lot of power in that as in-house, in-house lawyers because we're tempted to, you know, write exhaustively. But our business colleagues don't need 10 paragraphs on a yes or no answer, right? So say less. And I've adopted that significantly with emails and other communication. I love to use bullet points. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, even use bullet points in our communications for planning some of this. So you see that. Um, but then do less. I mean, be more efficient. You know, instead of trying to boil the ocean, how can you boil um, a pot of water to be successful? Right? Like, how can you arrive at the same goal more efficiently? Um, that I think is sometimes challenging when we're always trained and taught to take one specific path. Um, but by doing less, we can maybe take on more or create more value at the client. So um, best career advice I would give is to say less and do less. Which well, many lawyers I think struggle with. <laughs> I still think about to say, I, I think that's advice everyone needs to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I still do. And even in, you know, our conversation, I probably could have said some of these things with less words, but no. <laughs> well, before we, before we close, is there anything else you, you would like to share with, with the listeners today? Um, we we're so appreciative of your time. Yeah, I've been so happy to be here. It's been so much fun and a joy to talk to you both. Thanks for listening to me. I think the last thing that I would say is that, um, you know, the in-house practice, especially centers around one goal, providing the best support you can to to your clients, the business, your business colleagues. Um, remember that, right? But also remember at the same time that doing all of that shouldn't come at the expense of you or your own health. And you've always got to look out for your number one client, which is you. And so make sure you take time out of your day to get up, stretch, things that I even struggle to remember if your body is, is breaking down because you're burning the candles, 
at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to serve your client as well as you could have if you were creating space for, for yourself. So remember to treat yourself as a client too and put yourself in. What an awesome way to close, Corey. That is um, phenomenal advice. Um, yeah, Corey, thank you so, so much for your time, for speaking with us, for all of your wisdom and, and for sharing your experience. Um, this has been another episode of Around the In-House, now available on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Please be sure to subscribe, follow us on Twitter at ACC Northeast, and watch out for the ACC Northeast chapter posts on LinkedIn to hear more future episodes of Around the In-House. I'm Alex Affariot. And I'm Ruchi Sisodia Shaw, and we look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Corey. Thanks.